their service to the Lord there through song. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 18 this morning and we'll turn to a few other places in Scripture today. Just a quick correction to the announcements and this one pertains to the men's activity. It's on Friday, okay? So um, you, can, you can go on Saturday too, that's fine. You can go two days in a row. Some of you want that excuse to go to the driving range anyway, but um, Friday, so if you can, please register for that. That's um, just go to our website, click on the link, and um, and then we can get you registered for Friday evening. Should be a great time. Um, unlimited, I think unlimited, um, unlimited balls at the driving range for two hours. Food, fellowship, whatever. It'll be a great time. So come along for that, and we're looking forward to some fellowship together as men. First Samuel chapter eighteen, and we read verses five to nine there. Uh, this morning, and I just wanted to continue the, the thought about prayer and what David learned through the circumstances that he faced. We uh, learned already what he did um, in the cave and what he did as he 
was in the wilderness and, and the, the many things that David really learned uh, about the Lord and about prayer. And what we've found already as we've observed those different passages of Scripture is that it's, it's often in those difficult times that we, we learn a little bit more about prayer. And it's in those times where we can, if we're looking by faith, learn some valuable lessons. And David understood here that as he entered into this time that the, the situation that he found himself in, that he was already anointed the, 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 king, the following king of Israel. And so he, he went with that knowledge, and yet what we find is, is still, still Saul was on the throne. And what we learned just then is that he had grown a little bit jealous of David. And if you read carefully there, uh, along with our Bible reading today, those that greeted the, those women that came out, of all the cities of Israel, the Bible says in verse 6, they actually came out to meet King Saul. And we find, though, that their, their accolades that they were singing out were involved David. And if you know a little bit of what happened just previously in that chapter, David was suddenly thrust into the national limelight. He had become the only one that had any courage to face the, the, the giant Goliath. And so now he's thrust into the national limelight, this shepherd boy who was really just there to obey his, his dad in, in looking at and looking at the situation that his brothers were facing. And, and suddenly David was there and David was the champion. But if you think about it, he was actually the, a captain's pick. You know, no one really knew about David. David volunteered himself. He said, hey, I could go and fight Goliath, but really, logically, you look at him and you sort of think, well, he's the last person I would pick. And yet, Saul enough, saw enough in David to sort of say, no, actually, David, go ahead and represent us. And so he was actually a captain's pick. And so all these women who had come to, to ring out praises for the, the victories that had been uh, wrought through Saul was also looking at that and saying, well, David was part of that too. And Good on you, Saul, for recognizing that was really what they were meaning. And yet, when what we find is Saul's mind had already become so twisted about David and that jealousy had already come so much into his heart that, that even that innocent thing that was, having, was being played out in his sight suddenly became something that was so negative that the Bible says and tells us in verse 9, Saul eyed David from that day forward. The very next verse, it says that an evil spirit from God came upon Saul. And, and so all of these things, and, and in verse 11, Saul cast a javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. He had already become so angry and become so frustrated and had become so jealous of David that actually what transpired was David was now in danger. David was now the one that was suddenly a target in the sight of Saul. And right at this point, as we look through and, and see the sort of the development of this, David had a choice, and it's a, something that, that all of us, it's inbuilt in our nature. It was a fight or flight situation. And I think all of us understand that sometimes we're confronted with something in our lives, and we have a choice to make. We either fight or we flight. It's either we confront it or we, we maybe perhaps 
just go and live to fight another day, as they say. And David had already demonstrated and to, to what we know that if needed, right, he could stand up and fight. If needed, David was the only one out of the, 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 the numbers of soldiers that were well-trained and presented right there in that valley. David, could have been the, David was the only one that actually stood up to take the fight to that, that giant Goliath. And so it's not like David didn't have that in him to just fight. In this situation, though, he understood that the answer wasn't to fight. It was actually to go on the run. And what happened in David's life was he found himself in a predicament, in a situation that was totally out of his control, something that he couldn't help, something that even if he wanted to do something about it, he really couldn't. There was nowhere... There's no way to win, and he went on the run because actually when we find it, that's what God wanted him to do. He, he, he couldn't go by force. Those things that God had, had instilled in him and those things that God had for him, he couldn't win it by force. And so David knew at this point he was the anointed king, but he understood he, understood he couldn't take it by force. And the solution was for God to crown him as much as he anointed him. And you know, it's so, it's, so, it's so in our nature sometimes when we're confronted with a situation that, that actually we understand is, is way out of our control. Actually, we understand is not within our grasp to actually do anything about. And it's so in our nature sometimes to want to just force our way through it. It's in our nature to sort of just stand our ground and want to fight and not understand actually the situation at hand. And what happened, though, was that, that David chose the other way. And, you know, I think about even Jesus in his life. In, don't turn there, but in John chapter 6, there was a crowd of people who had been so impressed and so, uh, so enamored by the Lord Jesus because of the miracles that they looked at Jesus and they said, you know, we want you to be the king. And the Bible tells us that they were going to go to him by force and crown him. And what we found was Jesus actually, he chose in that moment because he understood the time to just go and slip away because it wasn't his time yet. But it's so man, it's so us to want to force the issue sometimes when we're confronted with something, especially something that, that makes us greatly uncomfortable. Anyone here ever been in a situation that just so happened that you just it's just made you very uncomfortable? I think all of us have been in that situation. All of us have come to a point maybe where suddenly things that seem to be working out, things that seem to be, and you look at David's life here, he was, he was, he was actually winning great victories for Saul. Everything seemed to be going well. Everything seemed to be going as planned, and then suddenly out of just nowhere... Saul becomes jealous, and Saul brings the fight to David, and David had a choice. And what David chose was to go on the run. What David chose was actually, rather than forcing the situation, and he could have, he is the anointed king after all. He could have, I mean, he's the one that, 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 that slew the giant. He's got some momentum right here, but he, rather than then confronting it right there, David chose to do something probably unlikely and, un and different, 
to how many of us would handle it. He went on the run. I think on the run, he learned some lessons. And at times, you know, our actions are affected by those circumstances that come our way that seem to destabilize us, seem to rock us. Sometimes even because of that, there's an aboding fear that seems to then affect our decision-making. And maybe at that point you want to fight it, but there's also the, the, the choice of maybe just living to fight another day. We run. Maybe even fearful that if, if, if this thing catches up to us, it would destroy us. And what do we do? What is God going to do through all of that? And I think there's some lessons for us as we think about these things that David went through and his response and some things that we learn about prayer as well. And, and so let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless and we'll, we'll get into the message this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you again. I pray that you'd help us this morning to just, Lord, consider, Lord, your servant David and, and Lord, how you, you brought him through this time of trouble in his life. Father, we realize that there's many things that are, are in our hands, but there are a lot of things that are out of our hands. And Father, there's, there's, there's a certain way, dear God, and there's certain things that we need to recognize even in those times that perhaps you'd help us see in our lives and, and recognize, and then, Lord, trust you in it, because really, ultimately, that's what we need to do. And so I pray that you'd help us this morning, open, us to, uh, open our eyes to your word today, and we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And here's the first principle I want to I show you this morning. Firstly, running from trouble that isn't our own making, can be what leads you into the future of God's making. You see, we understand David's eventual future. We know because we have the scriptures, he will be crowned king one day. In fact, when, when the, the Lord rejected Saul, he sent Samuel, his faithful prophet, to go to that, that the town in Bethlehem to anoint David to be the next king. And despite all of the other odds, despite the fact that he wasn't even really the first and most likely to be chosen, David was chosen to be king. And so he understood, I think, the future that he had. But you know, sometimes understanding our future and the making of our future can sometimes become at odds. You know, our future in our minds, we think, well, it's, it's easy to get to that if I only do this and this and this. And no, that David was thinking that. Maybe he was just thinking, well, if I just served under Saul, if I just kept fighting, if I just kept doing right, then suddenly this will happen. And that's how we sort of examine our lives. We start to think, well, if we just do right, well, if we just follow God in what he's, uh, he's asking us to do, and well, if we would just stand in, in the, the principles of God's word, those things will work out and they will. But you know what we find sometimes when we're, even in times when we're doing right, and I think actually sometimes, especially when we're doing right, is troubles come anyway. Is circumstances still suddenly go against our the, the very thing that it seems to be that we're driving towards our future in God. And yet what we find is actually this thing was the thing that drove, drove David, not to the future of his making, but the future of God's making. And I don't know about you, there's, there's many plans that we can have for our lives, and there's many steps that we think we ought to take but I'd rather it be that it was God's making than my own making. Because if it's God's making, it'll be way better than if it was our own making. 
See, the past, the, the, the situation, the predicament can sometimes be that trouble that can be the driver into our future. But only if we would trust God to guide us. And, you know, when we think about prayer, prayer has much to do with finding peace despite our circumstances. And seeing what God is undertaking to bring us forward. And, and we see the response to David wasn't, wasn't a slight to Saul, but it was viewed by Saul that way. And, and so what we find is David suddenly is the target. David was just doing right. And he, he says later on in Psalm 63, I think in reflection a little bit of this time, this was a psalm written while he was on the run in the wilderness. And in verses 8 and 9, he says, My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me, but those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. You know what David's mindset was? He was saying, I'm just going to try to follow God anyway. I'm just going to be driven by the fact that I have a God to follow and, and it's His right hand is the one that will uphold me. It's not in my own making. It's not in my own power. It's not in the way I would just fight against this very thing that seems to be hindering my future for God. No, it's actually in my trust in Him. He's saying, I can trust God to make a future for me. In Psalm 119, that great psalm of, uh, about His Word, He says in verse 32, I will run the way of Thy commandments when Thou shalt enlarge my heart. And, and David understood that despite the circumstance, he could trust God with the making of his future. That in fact, even this situation might be the thing that drives him to the future of God's making. And you know what we find? David became a target because he was doing right. What we read in verse 5 is that David went whithersoever Saul sent him. And, and he went about and it was, uh, uh, it was under Saul's command. He, he was actually doing what Saul had wanted him to do. He was just trying to do right. And, and I want to say doing right is no guarantee of ease. And I know you might be thinking, well, what's the point then? The point is it's right to do. The point is that, that, that rather than looking at, well, what's the result, it's actually the practice of it that is more, much more. And you're doing right is no guarantee of ease in, in anything, in relationships, in, in, in life, in, in general circumstances. In fact, it can at times be a point of contention, uh, actually, when, when dealing with others who might be responding carnally. And what, that's what we find in Saul. Saul was carnal. He had become his own law. And God had just rejected him. And this wasn't a David issue. It was a Saul and God issue. You know, sometimes in our, in our lives, we, we find ourselves in the crosshair of, of, of others, perhaps, because even in the times when we're doing right, and, and it's not really our issue. Sometimes here's what we want to do. Well, what's, what's that got to do with me? And sometimes it's got nothing to do with us. It's, it's the fact that there's that person and their, their issue with God. And sometimes we just unfortunately find ourselves in the crosshair of that. And what we find and what we know is that David's time was to come. But actually Saul was determined to rob him of that. And we'll say that, you know, the way we handle things, can, we can either respond in the spirit or respond in the flesh. And sadly, Saul decided to respond carnally. 
you know, carnality is a great destroyer. You know, we, we can go about and maybe there's conflict in the home. Maybe there's some things that, you know, you, you, you get into that fight or flight mode. And sometimes in our mind, we just want to fight it out. And listen, it might just be better to just take some time and pause. Take some time and just sort of take, give, give some distance and, and not, not respond straight away. Because so often when we respond straight away, we do it carnally. And carnality is a great destroyer. You see, Saul I David. And later on it says that, that as he was even thinking about David and, and, and as David played with his hand. And remember he had done this before for Saul. He had played the, the heart before. And it had been a solution for, for Saul and the, 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 the evil spirit that was on his heart and mind. And yet at this point, Saul was so carnal, he said, I'm going to smite David even to the wall with it. And the, the Bible says David avoided out of his presence twice. Can you imagine that? You, you'd done a favor for this bloke a couple of times and now suddenly you're an enemy. Suddenly you're just there and suddenly you're just... You're just trying to do right. And Saul was determined to rob him of his future. And you be careful with carnality in your life. You be careful with, with dealing with those who are carnal. You, you, you better observe that in your own life. And in fact, the, the church in Corinth, this great gifted church, that was the problem with them. He says it in 1 Corinthians 3, 3, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you. And, and notice, the, notice the characteristics of carnality, envying. Hey, the Bible's by no accident. He writes it in order, envying. You know what Saul was doing to David? He was envying David. Envying. Strife. Divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? Saying if those things exist in your life, if those things are the, the things that characterize the, the situations you find yourself in, then, then you better firstly observe your own heart and then observe those around you. He's saying, are you not carnal? And carnality in you and others can bring destruction. But what we find is David's future was being formed, even as Saul was causing him to run. And notice verse 14 with me. So Saul was afraid of David. Why? Because the Lord was with him. In verse 13, Saul removed from him and made him his captain over a thousand and tried to send him away. And notice verse 14, and David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. What we find about David was this was the reality of David's life. He was, the Lord was with him. Even though he was finding himself in an awkward situation, even though he found himself in a situation that he couldn't control, he understood that, that he was with God and God was with him. And while Saul was busy being envious and determined to rob another of their future, David was wise and God was with him. And here's the point I want to make. There's always a future if you walk with God. There's always a future if you walk with God. You know, sometimes we, we just want to, again, we just want to fight our way out of it, but maybe you ought to consider your behavior. You ought to consider how we're responding. And there's always a future if you walk with God, but also if there's always a future if you walk to God. In Proverbs 18.10, the Bible says that He's a refuge and he's a, he's, a, he's a fortress. 
if we would run to Him. And too many times in our running, we're running aimlessly even. And are we running to God in those times where we're confronted? And what we find, look at verses 17 to 27. And Saul said to David, Behold, my elder daughter Merab, her will I give thee to wife. Only be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul said, let not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. He's, he's trying to put David in dangerous situations. And David said unto Saul, who am I and what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? You know, David kept himself low and humble. And David showed humility. And, and he went on, he did, he fought those battles. He arose victorious. And in verse 28, notice this. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David. And that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him, and Saul was yet the more afraid of David. And Saul became David's enemy continually. You know, David wasn't out there trying to make an enemy, but he got one anyway. And he found himself in this situation, but here's what we see about David. He was wise. He understood that he had a future that was being formed. And so he was, even as Saul was causing him to run and, and to to flee away from these circumstances. And what it was, God's allowance of this in David's life, it was actually David was being strengthened in preparation for greater battles. You know, you thought Goliath was a, and excuse the pun, tall order. But you understand that David had greater battles to fight. He, he had other things that he, that he was going to be confronted by. And what, what God was doing, God was forming a future for David, and David was just in the present of it. He was going through it. David was going to have enemies into his future, both within and without, if you know the story of David. And he was going through a predicament that had present implications, but it was for future wisdom. And you know, that's what sometimes we neglect in the, in the moment, is that, that perhaps God's forming something in me right now. Because I'm going to need it later on. You know, many times, again, we just, we just want the solution. We just want to be alleviated. And in our prayer, so often we just pray, God, remove this from me. But we never pray, God, what do you want me to learn? God, what are you trying to form in me? God, what are you trying to, what are you trying to, to do in my life that will, 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 will have implications, not just for now, but for the future that you have for me? And what happened was actually this thing that he couldn't control, this thing that wasn't his own making, was the thing that propelled him into the future of God's making. Because what happened is, as they observed, notice there, Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David. And then verse 30, Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass, after they went forth, that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. Well, that means his reputation went up. You know what that means? That, that actually because David chose to behave himself wisely, because David chose to believe that he had a future in God's making, that actually his reputation went up. God was setting him up to be a leader before he was a leader. God was setting him up for the kingdom before he had the kingdom. And God was trying to, even within the ranks of his enemy, cause him to be feared. Why? Because he had a future 
in God's own making. Listen, too many times we're just worried about today. We're worried about what, how we're going to deal with it today. And, and we, we understand that. We understand that sometimes things feel like they're pressing upon us. But often it's better to just wait out in God's will and way. And what we find is that actually even though that thing that, God, that, that David was, was confronted with was the thing that propelled him into, into the future of God's own making. And, and I wonder if, if the situation you find yourself is really a, a test of what your future will be like. I wonder if the thing that you're going through is, is the, the thing that actually God's using to, to get you on the move to actually the thing that God eventually wants you to have. And then secondly, as we consider this, notice verse 8 with me. And Saul was very wroth. And the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands, and what can he have more but the kingdom? You know what? I don't know about you, but... If you've ever gotten a letter from some form of government, maybe it was just as much as a, as a speeding fine, or maybe from the tax office, I don't know. You imagine that's a bit of a fearful thing, right? You open that up and you sort of see that and you sort of go, your, your heart skips a beat. This, was, this Saul was still king, and you imagine the, the very sovereign of your land, the one that had absolute power, the one that had the headship of the nation in that sense. And we understand, again, God was already on the move himself. He had already rejected King Saul. He was about to anoint King David. And yet what we find is Saul was still on the throne. And, and, and can you imagine being confronted by that? Can you imagine actually just realizing that, that the person who had the most power had, had it in for you? And that's, that's the situation that David found himself in. He was, he was confronted. He was confronted. But the reality was David was to be the next king. And, and the best way to learn is sometimes to look at the previous and to look at the, the way ahead and learn from that. I remember many years ago when I was training for the ministry, I sat with my pastor who um, who I worked closely with, and we sat together one, one day, and, and I, I just, I appreciated the, the, his transparency with me, and he sat me down, and he said, you know, listen, um, one of these days, you're going to be the pastor of this church, and you know, at that point, I, I, in my head, I was like, no thanks, <laughs> but I just was listening in, and he's saying, you know, there's going to be things that I do that won't be right. He said, it would do you well to just observe me, and if there's things I don't do right, don't repeat them. He said, alone. And I appreciated that about his heart for, for me, his heart, his humility to say that. And, and it's true, isn't it? You know, sometimes we're confronted with the reality of our heroes. Sometimes we're confronted with the reality of those that should know better. And when the situation is like that, and sometimes even the implication then is there's, there's some, some detriment or some damage to us, then it's worth learning from. And here's a point I want to make. You know, when the situation is confronting, we've got to ensure we don't repeat it. 
Churchill said this, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And isn't that so true of our world today? We've not learned our lessons. And you know, um, the reality is though, prayer is often best relied on when we're most alarmed. When it, when it is most confronting, it's, it's when we, it, we're driven to our knees. It's when the, the time we ought to just consider and list, look at the situation and learn from it and, and then ensure that we don't repeat it. In Psalm 13, verses 3 and 4, David said, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. And, and this was a real situation in David's life. And yet, it was in that time that he says, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. And he says, Lighten my eyes. And you know, that, that phrase so often, it's, it's about clarity. The Word of God lightens our eyes. It's clarity. And he's saying, even in that situation, what he was saying to, to the Lord is, is, Hear me, but help me see clearer. Help me see me. Help me see the lessons to be learned. And the learning was ahead for David, but it was all in God's design. And, and it's interesting because later on, actually, David had the upper hand. Look at, look at chapter 24, 1 Samuel chapter 24. And what we find, while, while in, in all of this circumstance, Saul was chasing David. David was trying to run from Saul, and it was a bit of cat and mouse. And finally, there was a situation in 1 Samuel 24 where David found himself to be the cat. And here he was. He had an opportunity to, to end it all. Verse 1, And it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. So then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel. Man, David must have been some sort of man to, be, to, be, to have to... Take 3,000, right? And went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And Saul, he, he came to the sheep coats by the way where it was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. So what an advantage David found himself. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. Hey, listen, you might be thinking, well, doesn't he deserve it? Doesn't Saul deserve worse? And he said unto, this, unto his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. And David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. And they'll have a conversation. He's saying, I could have got you, but I didn't. You know, you imagine the self-control that David showed in that moment. David had the upper hand. David could have destroyed Saul. But you know what? He, he was learning. He was learning that you can't lead by force. You can't lead that way. And, and even if the advantage was so obvious, he couldn't lead that way. 
And David, David, I think God allowed him to see something. And, and this detail here in verse 3, you know what was around the cave? It was a sheep coat. So, so Saul goes past it. You know who else went past it? David went past it. David went past the sheep coat. And that ought to remind you of something because David was a shepherd boy. And I can imagine this, this situation playing out. David gets to the cave really first. He, he sets himself out, out uh, an ambushment. He hears that Saul is there and, and Saul hears David's there. Bit of cat and mouse. And David perhaps passes by the sheep coat and maybe God said, pay attention to that. And then we see Saul, he just passes by it. He, he's now in the cave. And right there, David could have taken an opportunity, but actually, I think God reminded him about something. See, God took him from nowhere. In fact, he'll remind him of that later on in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And, and again, God later on reminds David that I took you from nowhere to where you are now. But here's the point. It was God that did that. It was God. And actually, it parallels with Saul because Saul actually came from Noah as well. In fact, the Bible says about Saul, Samuel says this, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the heads of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? Listen, when you were nothing, Saul. And listen, Saul was the tallest man. It wasn't... It wasn't that he was little himself. No, it was because he was little in his own sight. It's because he was low. It's because he was humble. It's because even though Saul had all of the physical attributes that we would attribute to a king, he looked at himself, he was little in his own sight. And that's when God exalted him. And here God was reminding David while he was by the cave where he could have taken advantage that, you know, I took you from the sheep coat too. And, and what, what we see is, is actually God was trying to change David. Because he didn't want another Saul. He just wanted someone different. See, Saul wasn't chasing David. God was chasing Saul out of David. You know what, what the... the the tendency for us is when, when God exalts us is to forget to be hum is to forget humility. Suddenly we're something. Suddenly we've got victory. Suddenly we're, we've, we've made our way. And we forget who brought us there in the first place. And you know, Saul missed that lesson. He actually, God rejected him because of his pride. God rejected him because he got too big in his own sight when he was little in his own sight. And what God was trying to teach David was, I don't want another Saul. I want Saul out of you. I, I don't want another Saul. I don't want a repetition of what I was trying to get out. I don't want another Saul, David. I want someone different to lead my nation. And, and you contrast David's response in this situation to, to Saul's obsession to hunt David down and to do him harm. You know what this was? It was not good leadership. And so, so God sent Saul to chase Saul out of David. 
He was trying to get David to be different. He didn't want him to follow down the same path as Saul. And and thankfully, David listened because if he he could have, he would have. And maybe some some of you say he should have used force. But you know, he didn't. He stayed little. You see, he, he found instruction in that. In Proverbs 12, 1, Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. Too many times when we are confronted with something that is distasteful, we, we, can, we can, rather than learning from it, we can be tempted to repeat it. Fighting fire with fire. Proverbs 21, 12, The righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked, but God overthroweth the wicked for their wickedness. You know, what, what God was trying to do was teach David there's a different way. You don't have to be Saul, part two. You, you, can be, you can be David, a man after my own heart. You can respond the way that I would choose you to respond. And so David can avoid being the, the thing. He needed to avoid being the thing that he was running away from. Look at Proverbs chapter 4. Look at the, what the, the Bible tells us. Look at Proverbs chapter 4 really quickly. Thanks for listening. You're listening well this morning. Proverbs chapter 4, look at verse 11. He says in verse 10, Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings. The years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straight, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not keep her, for she is thy life. It says, Enter not into the path of the wicked men, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. He's saying, Consider all of that. Consider all of the instructions, and don't go that way too. You know, sometimes God allows us to be confronted with something distasteful, confronted with something. Why? Because he doesn't want us to repeat it. Because he wants us to learn that that thing is not the way. And, and David, he needed to avoid being the very thing that he was running away from. You know, the, in, sometimes those who have trauma in their lives can be equally prone to doing the very thing that traumatized them in the first place. It's a, it's a real condition. It's called repetition compulsion. Psychologists hold the view that a person's inability at times to discuss or remember past traumatic events might lead them to repeat these very traumas compulsively. And what it is, re- repetition compulsion, it involves people continuously putting themselves in a situation that they know is not healthy, perhaps without even realizing that they are repeating their past traumas And get this, these actions are most apparent in the types of relationships people engage in, particularly those that are dysfunctional. And, you know, sometimes you see it uh, with with children who had a dysfunctional relationship with parents. And they were mistreated as children, and suddenly they're treating their children in the very same way. They had not dealt with it. They would not had had some some time to be cared for about that, to talk through it, to overcome it, maybe to to see God's lens of view for it. And and sometimes we can be just as guilty when we've encountered something that is ugly and not right. And suddenly we're repeating the very thing that traumatized us in the first place. And that's what David was, 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 God was trying to get David to not do. 
He was trying to get him to understand that, you know, I've had a soul. Soul led by force. Soul led by carnality. Soul led this way. And I don't want another soul at my, that leads my kingdom. I want you to be different, David. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to cause you to be confronted by the very thing that I dislike. Because one day, David, you'll be in that situation too. And here's what it is. David was on the throne. You know, later on, he gets the kingdom, doesn't he? And David was on the throne. And you know what? Amongst his ranks, one of his sons. Anyone know his name? Absalom. Absalom was in the ranks. And Absalom probably, out of anyone of his children, was the most like David. David was a good-looking bloke. And Absalom was a good-looking bloke. Absalom seemed to have all of the wisdom, you know what, even to the point that the men of the city would sit at the gate. And it just seemed to be Absalom was just shoe in for the throne. But you know what Absalom did? He tried to force it. And you know what happened? David could have replied like Saul replied because he could have been jealous. He, he could have looked at that and he could have envied Absalom's sudden rise to fame. He could have envied Absalom's sudden influence on his countrymen, those men that used to come to him. And you know what Saul did? Uh, you know what David did? He did nothing. He sat there and trusted God. Because he wasn't going to be Saul who tried to out his competitor. That's, that's an amazing transformation in David's life. Because as we know, David was a man of war. And David was a, was a warrior. He could, have, he, could have, he could have by force taken the kingdom again. But actually he didn't. Because he wasn't going to be Saul 2.0. And what happened was David was able to deal with his past trauma. Why? Because he found himself just running from it. He, he dealt with it in a way that, that God wanted him to. He could have dealt with Absalom like Saul dealt with him. And the difference was the difference was the Lord working in his life. And I, I don't know. I'm not here. I'm not broad brushing. I know there's, there's traumas sometimes that we've got to work through that have been so, so confrontational that it has changed our, our very psyche, our, our, very, our very future, our very personality. And I'm not saying that, that I just broad brush it, but, but there, there has to be an element of that as we're getting the help we need where we learn and we trust God with the future that we have in Him. And what we find is actually in David's life, he was able to not repeat the very thing that troubled him. And here's the key to it all though. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 18. Look at verse 5. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him. And here's, here's something that's repeated about David over and over again. And behaved himself wisely. Verse 14. So he removes him. He puts him in a dangerous situation. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. Verse 30, then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth 
that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul. Here's, here's the point I want to make lastly. You know, here's the key. Behaving wisely whilst on the run is the key to seeing it through. See, David's response actually was the critical factor. He's the one that later on wrote in Psalm 37 verse 5, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. You know, sometimes here's what we want to do. We want to bring it to pass. But what we find in David's life is he behaved himself wisely. You know, in troubling circumstances, David chose to be wise in his response. You know, it's difficult to stay calm when under pressure, isn't it? We had the tendency to want to just fight. But you know what? That's an illusion of working our way out of a difficult circumstance. And I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Swimming is not my strong suit, all right? If you ask my children how to describe my swimming style, it'll be one word, panic, all right? And you might look at me and you might see me swim. Please don't see me swim, but you might see me and you might see a lot of activity, a lot of splashing, but you know, I'm going nowhere. And you know, sometimes that's how we deal with trouble, is there's a lot of activity, a lot of conjecturing, a lot of us just, you know, there's, there's just a show of force, but we're actually going nowhere. We'd be better off just floating away, trusting God can deal with it. Trusting that actually in His hands, we're far better off. And we might feel like we're going to be a rock that sinks, but actually we're just going to be a leaf that He glides away into our safe haven. And, and you know, too many times the way we fight, it can come in the form of words. It can come in the form of gossip. It can come in the form of assumptions, which lead to mistreatment. Uh, that's really, day, that was Saul. And yet the Bible tells us to let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And if you know the context in Ephesians chapter 4, it's, it's, it's about avoiding corrupt communication. It's about avoiding grieving the Holy Spirit of God. And too many times we just choose out of default to just fight our way through and force our way through. But the other choice is to run and fight another day. We do this by praying. We do this by trusting. We do this by being still to know God. We do this by not fighting evil for evil, but with godly kindness. The way we do this, I'm saying, is so often just being on our knees. C.S. Lewis said it says, relying on God has to begin all over again every day as if nothing had yet been done. There's many times where I face situations where every which way I would have acted would have brought down the house. There's been many times where I've been in that situation where it wasn't of my own making, but boy, did I learn some things that was just into the future of God's making. And I just remember being helpless sometimes in my lounge room, just being on my knees, and it's one of those, oh, God, help me. And, you know, a lot of us would, would never want to be in that situation, and I certainly don't always want to be in that situation. 
But if the situation calls for it, I hope that that's what we would choose. Many times we just want to fight our way, force our way. And D.L. Moody said, he who kneels the most stands the best. And David's response wasn't to speak out or hit out. It was to trust the Lord to resolve it in his time. And you know, Jesus did that too. He, he understood that he had a mission. He understood that, that, yes, one day, in fact, soon, Lord willing, he'll be the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He'll come in that white robe. And one day, soon, he's going to come and he's going to be the lion of the tribe of Judah. But first, he had to be the lamb. First, he had to be the lamb who, were, who was dumb before his shearers who actually was, was spoken of in, in such ways, and yet he spoke not a word. And, and the Lord Jesus knew when it was his time. And too many times we, we try to take by force in our own hands the very future that we think we deserve. And what we find in, in David's life is those in the know they accepted David's character. We see that in verse 5, that he behaved himself wisely. And so Saul set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people. You know, the key to all of this is behaving ourselves wisely. You know, it, it thrust David to a place of leadership amongst the people he was called to lead. Isn't that amazing? David didn't have to self-promote. David didn't have to prepare himself to take over the kingdom. No, actually, this, the very thing that caused him the trouble was forming him. Without David doing it, the very trouble he was facing was the very thing promoting him. And what we learn about David was that because he behaved himself wisely, he was, his, his, his character was accepted, but that God was with David. And boy, there's, there's a great things, there's a great amount of things we can do if God is just with us. Right, aren't you glad that positionally the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit of God indwells us? Aren't you glad that the Bible tells us that He will never leave us nor forsake us? And by the way, the context of that is don't be covetous. You know what that is? Taking by force the thing that is which is not yours. Right? That's covetous. He's saying he's never, He'll never leave us nor forsake us, but... We understand the, what it was being implied here in this dispensation. God was with David. It showed that David was with God and God was with David. And Saul became afraid and the trouble he was causing, that Saul was causing, wasn't going to remove God's blessing upon David. Why? Because he had character. He behaved himself wisely. And David, he gained in stature and the sight of others. We know and we saw it earlier on. David behaved himself wisely and than all the servants of Saul so that his name was much set by. Even David's enemies knew God was with David. And David gained in stature in the sight of others. You know, David rose to a new level of authority. Even in the sight of the enemy he had previously vanquished. Remember, he already wrought a victory in the midst of the Philistines. But you know what? He, he grew in stature. 
at this point, David was already the giant slayer, yet Saul's efforts to undermine David was something God was using actually to elevate David. And many times we just sort of think, oh, well, we should respond in kind. Listen, sometimes the very best thing we can do is just get on our knees and just pray our way through it. Sometimes the very best thing we can do is nothing. And sometimes that's the only position we can have in, in our trusting of God for the future that he's making for us. You know, we can get tired of just sort of all of these situations of life, and, and yet the, the very best thing we can do, he, he who handleth the matter wisely shall find good. And how David found good, because later on, and we won't take the time, we see Saul is vanquished. We see that David does get the kingdom. And, and probably, probably as we look at it, this was unlikely in this situation. But actually, it was the very thing that drove him to God's future for him. And many of us here, we would do well of instead of using force and fighting in the moment, that we'd step away and maybe go on the run for a while, let God do the groundwork, and then in his time, make it all good. Because church, can I remind you, God is good, right? God's good all the time. Not just when it's likely, but most of all, when it's unlikely. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you, Lord, and we understand that David wasn't just merely running from his problem. He was running to God's, your future for him. And many times, dear God, we don't like trouble. We don't like being confronted with a reality. And we don't like it when things come, Lord, without us, without our own making. It just sort of comes. And yet, Lord, the reality is, dear God, that even in that, all things work together for good. And I'm thankful, dear Lord, that, Lord, even in, in the times of, Lord, honestly, times of confusion, times of discomfort, Lord, times where we have no course of action that will do well other than to distance ourselves. Lord, that, that in all of that, you're still working if we, were, if we do it in your will, in your way, if we would behave ourselves wisely like David did. And so I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to learn in those times to just, just seek you, and Lord, to run to you, to run to the future of your making for us. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. The piano is going to begin to play.